What's up, everyone? It is the Athlete Podcast once again, and we are joined this time by NCAA champion 2019, 2022 U.S. Open champion, Mike Machiavelli. Mach, how you doing, bud? Chilling, man. Just, you know, same old, same old, getting after it. How about you, man? I'm doing really, really well. Um, man, we, you know, it's funny. We, we, we talk on this podcast a lot about processes of, of successful people. And I want, I want to get some insight because as much as like people understand that you have had success in your career, I don't know if people understand that maybe you didn't always have a tremendous amount of success in this sport. So walk us through, let's, let's start, let's start here. Walk us through your timeline in the sport of wrestling. Where do you start wrestling? When do you realize that you don't suck anymore? And then bring us to the present date. Yeah, so I started wrestling in – I did half a season in eighth grade. Um, I was a soccer player and a football player first. been playing that since I was four. was playing backyard football and – organized football through middle school and we had a, a middle school teammate uh named Keenan Whalen, his father, John Whalen there from Pennsylvania, and they were wrestlers. And uh they basically with the high school coach who was my high school coach came to the middle school football practice and were trying to recruit football players. And I just remember saying like, hey, you know what? You know, I think the sport's cool, but I'm not wearing a singlet. You know, I'm not trying to do any of that. And they basically convinced me to give it a shot and said I could wear shorts and a T-shirt. And so um, <clears throat> fast forward, uh, I had to quit for a science Olympiad competition because my mom made me. So I did 18 matches as an eighth grader. And then my first full season of wrestling was my freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I was – I mean – not that good, so, <laughs> dude. Well, okay, well, where, first of all, where was this? This was in North Carolina, Union County, North Carolina, which is the county right outside of Charlotte, about thirty minutes. Um, I went to Sun Valley High School in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and for those that don't know, wrestling is not a deep, doesn't have a deep, rich tradition in. The South in general, um, it doesn't have. I think you know, we know. I think people realize that it's getting there. Yeah. Right. Like, it's not. It's not as uh, uh, as deep as places like Pennsylvania, like you said. Right. But I think the second generation is coming through now of people that were really into this sport in in North Carolina and and in the South in general. Right. I mean. Virginia's always kind of had some good wrestling. Um, but then when you start getting into the North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, I think those states are, are now starting to have a second generation of kids, like dads bringing their kids to clubs. And it's it's paying off. Like, because the South is – like, the Southeast is for real right now. Yeah, it's coming up, man. I think part of that is you got parents that are from the Northeast that mm-hmm. are moving down that kind of know what it takes a little bit. And I think it's like a multitude of things, but I mean, even look at a guy like Jack's Forrest, right? He's from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, 
but he lives in Pennsylvania now. Um, and I think even up to the point where he was at Bishop Court, his father knew what he needed to be getting in. He's working with Josh Kindig and a bunch of other high-level coaches that happen to be in the area. And, you know, so I think kids are starting to get it. Parents are starting to get it. And I think that's part of why you see the growth, you know, like a kid like Joe Seeley also is from High Point, North Carolina area, you know. And so uh, I think it's great that we got kids that are taking advantage of opportunities outside of the state as well. You know, of course, it'd be great to have them in North Carolina, but I think it's it's great. They're they're growing, they're they're elevating themselves and giving themselves the best chance to accomplish their goals. But so to go back real quick, so like I did my first full season in high school, freshman year. Uh, I didn't wrestle year round either at all in high school, so I never went to a club. Uh, I just played. Was there, one, was there one available to you? There was this club called a Rickion uh, in the Charlotte area that had some kids go, and they had they were pumping out North Carolina State champs and a couple of kids that would all American at some national tournaments. They were the bigger club when I was coming up, and then now obviously you have Dark Horse and C two X, but for me it was just. Never really something that interested was was an interest of mine. I, I wrestled to be a better athlete for football, to to just just because that's what I was told it would help me with. And so, throughout all four years of high school, I was still trying to get a major Division One football scholarship offer. Wrestling was just like, yo, I'm 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 okay. I do this for fun. This is just helping me with football. And uh, it wasn't until probably my junior year where I was like, I want to do something in this sport. And uh, I committed – I was super committed during the season. You can ask my high school coach, man, I've always been the type of dude that's going to grind hard. You know, I, I remember being on the track with my high school teammates. We'd have to run before practice on the track. And I would be trying to lap dudes as much as I could. I'm like, all right, there's one. I'm going to try and pass him again. And – We'd have like uh, holiday workouts where we have to run around certain neighborhoods, and I remember I had some teammates that you know would be playing fishy on a playground, you know, when coaches can't see because we're running a couple miles, and I'm over here like grinding, trying to get after it, you know. And so I just kind of always been that way, and yeah, I just I'd always been a firm believer in just not letting someone else dictate what you think you're capable of and then also just a firm believer in yeah just don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something and so i've just had always had like overly like ambitious goals and i've always had lofty goals and yeah i mean it's tough because there's people that you might respect who might give you an honest opinion and you're like man maybe i'm not good enough maybe i don't know if i could and so you have to you have to kind of figure out how to have these internal battles and you have to figure out how to win them you know and well i gotta stop you there I gotta yeah, stop. yeah do your thing give me an instance give me an instance where a coach or someone you respected he kind of broke it to you like hey this 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 shit might not be for you so I don't know if it was exactly that, but it was it was more so subtly, and there were things that I took personally just because I think it was more like you know I don't I I just I just try and pay attention, and it was probably 
maybe more in my own head, but I remember, you know, Pat used to always say like, Hey, we're going to get on the podium this year. We're going to get on the podium this year. And I just remember thinking podium screw the, like I get that being an all American is an amazing feat and it's an incredible accomplishment. You know, I think that it's, it's, it's an incredible accomplishment and I only did it once. <laughs> so, I mean, it's tough to do, but I just remember having a conversation with him specifically. Like when I mentioned that this is the memory that comes to mind I'd be like, Pat, stop talking to me about this was in the athletic facility in like the entrance towards where we walk into the wrestling room at NC state and we're kind of just walking down the ramp. And I, I don't, maybe I was in between practices or just passing, going to class one of those casual kind of, we just, oh, I walk past my coach and we have a quick conversation. He's like, hey, we're going to get on the podium this year. You know, he's grabbed my arm, you know, just pat me on the back, trying to be encouraging. I just remember saying specifically, like, stop talking to me about the podium. Like, I, I don't care about being an All-American. I want to do one thing and I want to be a national champ. I said, and if you're going to mention anything to me at all, only mention national champ because that's that's the only thing that I'm working towards. And so I just remember said, stop saying podium and All-American. I said, it's not what I'm here for. And I was just like very serious because, I mean, I was adamant about it. To me, that just showed me it's like, you know, like he thinks I'm good enough to do something special, but it's like, I don't know. I just took that like something like that personally. And I, I just, <clears throat> I felt like, I felt like I was kind of battling a couple, couple things like that throughout my career. I remember having a conversation actually with one of my teammates, Malik McDonald, the other day. He said he's a, an assistant coach at Kent State. He was talking with Kyle Cannell, and he was asking him questions because uh, Malik was asking me questions this week at the NCAA tournament about kind of my thought process on certain things and how I think about certain things. And he said he was having a conversation with Cannell, and he was just like, remember talking to Cannell about how – he was telling his teammates, like, hey, I'm going to beat Colin Moore tomorrow. And his teammates were laughing at him. You know, and he was talking about the difference between his teammates at Kent State and the, the difference between his teammates at Penn State and how those guys genuinely believe that they're capable of doing incredible things. It's not some out-of-reach, lofty goal that you have like a – some small chance of accomplishing like like it's some shot in the dark it's these guys genuinely think like no this is realistic this is possible and there was a massive difference in the way that the guys in one program thought compared to another and i think for me i think that's ultimately what it boils down to is it's it's how do you think what's your mentality do you have a growth mindset and do you think that like all things are possible and i i genuinely believe that they are Right. Like for me, my thought process was, okay, if I don't figure it out this year, I'm going to only learn about what doesn't work and I'm going to continue to pivot and adjust until I figure out what does work. And then it's just this iterative process where you, you have almost like a business or like a product or a service. You take this product, you have this idea, you, you take it from idea, pen to paper, and then you take the pen to paper and you actually create something, you throw it out there. 
you get feedback, you bring it back, you make adjustments, you throw it back out there, you bring it back, you get your feedback, and you keep throwing it back out there until you have something that's that's worthwhile. And I feel like that's just how I approach the process of things, kind of like what you talked about. Like the process of winning is very much that. It's trial and error, and it's making adjustments over and over and over and over again until you've figured it out. And for me, it's just this relentless determination of figuring it out. Mm -hmm. And it Uh, just never ends. Fair. But, like, I want to go back to that conversation with with Pop. Where is it in your head? Like, what, what mechanism in your head allows you, a person who at that point had not, all-american right allows you to not go down the 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 road or the thought process because there's a very distinct fork in the road right there you can either you can either accept take in the information that your coach who you look up to who is a good person who is looking out for your best interest you can accept what they it's not like he's someone that you know you're you're at odds with right right? a a person that we respect and that that is truly a good human being and has has your best interest at heart you can accept what he is saying and then allow that to to erode your goal to 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 a certain degree right or downgrade it from national champion to two through eighth place right or you can be adversarial to this person that you genuinely like and respect and say, no, I'm going to be a national champion. There's that, me- what is that mechanism? Where does that come from? Is that something that's just in you? Is it something that comes from your mom or your dad? Is it something that you just kind of have always had with you? Yeah, so I think great question by the way. The fir- the first thing <laughs> So, the place my mind runs to first is my mom. Uh she used to always tell me don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do something. And I think she just used to continually tell me that all the time, you know, growing up and I don't know if it was a subconscious thing that I just had instilled in me because of what my mom used to tell me growing up as a kid. Um, And she used to reference her own personal story where, you know, she was 15. She moved from Mexico. She had me at 19. She went to community college and she wanted to be a dental hygienist. And basically she was talking with academic advisor, coordinator at her community college. And they were like, Hey, you know, I don't think that, you know, you can do this. I think you should look at something a little, uh, like less rigorous or whatever. And I think maybe it was part of because of the language barrier and they just wanted to help her succeed. Right. They wanted to help her, you know, get a degree or whatever. And I think she just was like, she refused. She was so adamant about this one thing and then she did it. And now she's been a dental hygienist for, I mean, since I can remember and she, you know, she does well for herself and, you know, and I think I always think about that story and I'm like, And so that's where my mind runs to first, you know? Um, And I think it's something that 
can be learned. Also, I think it's something that's easier to learn at a younger age, but I also think that it's something that can be developed as well with the right environment, with the right people around you. For example, you think about the Kyle Cannell. You have the group of student athletes that he's around at Kent State compared to the group of student athletes that he's around at Penn State. And it's a completely different environment. It's a completely different mentality where people expect you to believe in yourself and are pushing you to believe in something great and vice versa. And and I don't know what the culture is between, you know, both programs are not a part of each program, but just based off of those things, right? Like I think environment matters. And I think uh, part of it is also just, you know, myself, it's like, I had a dream and a vision for myself in my own wrestling career when I got to college. And I just didn't want to settle for anything less than that, regardless of what someone else thought. And I think I encourage guys now. That doesn't mean I didn't think about settling because boy, did I take some whoopings, man? Oh my gosh. Yo, Talk about L after L. You, I'm saying, yo, you're working hard. You're working your tail off day in, day out, and you see no results. For two years, my first two years of college combined, my overall record was 24 wins and 27 losses. So I was under 500 combined for my first two years total, all matches. And I'm like, yo, I've been working so hard for two years, and I'm not seeing anything and it wasn't that I wasn't improving because I was I just I don't know what what it was that I hadn't figured out and I think that's the that's the tough part about wrestling it's not just one thing that that you have to do well to become great it's a multitude of things it's the right attitude it's high wrestling IQ it's high skill level it's being mentally tough right can you be mentally tough when you need to be you know or you know do you have that that uh aggressive uh, determined approach in your wrestling. Can you score takedowns? Can you be offensive? And I think like it's a multitude of the things. And I think it's, it varies athlete to athlete and you have to be willing to be honest with yourself and you have to be willing to ask hard questions to people you respect who can give you the, the answers in terms of like, yo, this is actually what you need to get better. Cause if you don't improve on this realistically, you won't be able to do this. And this is what you'll have to get better at. And then just kind of taking it from there. And that's one thing that I felt like I did a good job of was like, I was okay with feedback. I was okay with criticism, even if it wasn't what I wanted to hear, as long as I knew it was going to play into the bigger picture. Right. Like, and I, so I knew like this information had a purpose. So it's never something that I was like, man, I don't want to hear that. It's like, no, 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 this is ultimately going to help me. And I think understanding that, but like what I was saying, the way I encourage guys now is you can't accept defeat. That's the hardest thing to do because when you, when you take L after L and your work rate and, and your effort and your output is here and your results aren't changing, you slowly want to start to settle and it, almost accept defeat because it's this is exhausting this is um emotionally and psychologically grueling part of the process when you're here at a standstill but this only lasts for so long and if you can stick it out and just continue to stay committed 
and you don't settle, this is slowly going to start to change. And now all, all the moments of being discouraged and all the moments of doubt and all the second-guessing yourself slowly goes from here to, oh, I'm excited now. You, you start to get a second wind. And I felt like that's what I got in the second half of my career in college was like a second wind. I'm like, oh, we in this. You know what I mean? And it was just kind of like it just made me hungrier. It made me more excited. I loved practice even more. And I really started to love what I did. You know what I mean? Whether it's your coaches or teammates or anybody else in your support system, how important is it to have somebody else that believes in your vision? It's super important. Um, you know, I, I had a group of friends back home, and they're my boys even to this day. You know, I'm in a group chat with them now that I grew up with in my neighborhood, that I went to high school with, that I always played sports with. Those are the group of guys that we'd be playing pickup basketball, football, wiffle ball, whatever, dodgeball all the time in the neighborhood. And, and those guys always – used to think so highly of me, you know, and, and uh, it was funny. Almost every time I got to go home for like a break or whatever, I would come back and feel like, like I was, I was uh, re-energized almost every time I went home when I was around those guys, because those guys didn't necessarily know how difficult the things were or what the process was for wrestling. It was just, remember like, Mike, you that dude, bro. Like, come on, man. You got this, man. And it was just like I would feel excited when I came back and I and I would always have this sense of being so you they, they don't know just how tough it is to make it on the podium at the NCAA tournament. Like, man, you got it. It's no right. Good. Right. Yeah, exactly, man. And uh I mean they knew it was they knew it was hard. And even now, those are the type of guys that like man, man, they're they'll just, they're they're your hype man, no matter what. They're my hype man, but they also, I mean, they'll talk their trash. Like, they'll bust my balls all the time. Like, if I'd be like, yo, I just like, come on, man. You got – I lost to a blind kid as a sophomore in high school. They still never let that go. They're like, Mike, you're not even that good, man. You lost to a blind dude. <laughs> even to this day, man. Like, and so, you know, they'll, they'll hype me up, but they'll humble me real quick too. But I think, uh, I think, uh, you know, my mother was someone who always supported me as well. I think that was something that was like, uh, and my, and my father also, I think that was kind of like my secret weapon. I'll tell parents this too. I didn't have the, the crazy wrestling parent, you know, like they didn't know anything about wrestling. My mom, my mom's been watching wrestling for 10 years. She couldn't tell you what, well, how to get a set of backs. Right. Like, and she was just always encouraging. and just was always overwhelmingly positive with me. And, and uh, I think that ultimately gave me the freedom to fail. And that's what I'll tell parents is like, when you are so over the top with your child, right? They're so young, it's hard to differentiate the difference between what is constructive for my development as an athlete and what is love as a parent. Because they're kids, they're not smart enough to differentiate what the difference is. And so I'll encourage parents when I'm helping coach or when I'm, when I'm helping out with a kid or, or parents are asking me questions, I'm like, you have to make sure no matter what, your kid knows that you love them. Regardless of whatever type of criticism you give them, they have to understand 
that that doesn't go anywhere regardless of what the result is. Because what happens is as a parent, you you have high expectations for your child. You want your child to reach their potential, so you're tough on them. But since they're so young, they think toughness is, oh, he doesn't love me. He's yelling at me. It's like, okay, you know what I mean? And it's, it's no, not the case at all. That's not the oh, case at all. Oh, mock. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but here's my – I want your assessment – of yeah. How many of these? Let's look at the the wrestling community as a pie chart right now. Right. How many, in your estimation, how many of these crazy wrestling dads and moms too? But you know, it's dads mostly. Yeah. How many of them are doing it wrong? How many of them are really doing it wrong? How many of them are results based? How many of them? I think None of their children don't know that the result of a wrestling match will not change the love that their parents feel for them. I think a lot of them are. I think give it a number because 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 we got I know it, but it, but but like if we don't start like address like if we don't start identifying it, we'll never be able to address it. I would but, say probably like 95 percent, and yeah. I think I don't know. That's my you're, guess. You're not, I, I don't know if you're wrong. I, I probably am, but I'm I'm I, I just think it's a majority of parents. Uh and I don't think it's something that's intentionally done either. No, I, I no, I understand that. You know, I think it's it's okay. more so like <clears throat> this is just I gotta make sure my kid knows. Yeah, of course you gotta make sure your kids knows. But I, I think there's a way to do it. And and I personally think parents need to be coached on how to parent a high level athlete or, or parents need to be coached on how to coach their kids. Cause it's, right. so it's, it, it's such a difficult thing. It's such it, a difficult no, I, thing. I 100% agree. And you know, it's funny. Okay. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's interesting because when I was growing up, parents were, were like Uber involved. Right. right? Like they were literally on the mats in jeans. Like, what right. are you doing, dude? Like, what do you <laughs> get off? Yeah, now, dude. Yeah. Okay, and then our sport went to a place where no parents in. Get out, right? Yeah. Like, like how many clubs have the no parents on the mat policy and are proud of it? And now I'm starting to go in a different direction. Yeah, and I want the parents not on the mat, right? But I want them in the room if 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 space permits, because I want them to understand. <clears throat> my expectation for their athletes this is a growth mindset this is we are graded on progress and effort we are not graded on w's and l yes yes okay? yep. and so I'm, I'm talking to you i'm not i'm not i'm not talking to little johnny i'm really kind of talking to you right so <laughs> so yeah. uh uh i guess what i'm asking is it what does it look like to coach parents is it just individual conversation? Because that's fucking exhausting. If we're, right. we're going to be honest about it. Right. That's exhausting. Because I'm having the exact same conversation over and over and over and over again. No, stop cutting weight. Wins don't matter. Neither do loss. I'm having the same conversations over and over. How do I – Monkey know me. You know, you know I'm being really real with you right now. I love you. Okay. Oh, man. I just know exactly like – I know exactly what you're talking about. Fine. 
<laughs> but but I can't. Right. There's laws around that. As it turns <laughs> out. But how do we do it? Is there a, is there a more efficient way of coaching these parents? Oh man, tough question. Um the I mean, I guess you just sit them all down in a room and you kind of have like like a almost like a briefing like yeah. hey these are the expectations these are what will help and these are what won't help and in order for us to maximize the development of your child and help them reach their full potential this is what we need from you yeah. and you give them expectations and and you kind of tell them like hey just like we expect this is just like we expect full effort from guys when they're in the room, just like we expect them to do, you know, be respectful X, Y, Z when they're in the room. Look, we're not here to, to be, to be, you know, mom and dad to you guys, but we want to help you help your child. Sure. And this is the best way to do that. And you kind of just lay out some standards and expectations and kind of communicate why for each. So they understand why it matters and so they're more likely to hopefully listen because i feel like understanding why is, a, is an important thing and and now and now it doesn't work i'm not sure but that's that's how i would approach it initially um but i think it's important man like being able to differentiate that is like you know i was helping coach some kids um you know out in california fountain valley kids last february i was out there for four weeks uh helping out the fountain valley high school team and I remember talking with one of the parents and one of the athletes was more concerned about losing because of what his father's response would be than just competing. Do you know how common that is? Do you know how common it is for uh, bro? It, it hurts my soul that these kids when they're and I go, why are you crying? They're like, cause the ride home is going to be awful. Brutal. Can you, could you imagine that? Right. And it's like parents want to look look at their children like, oh, you know, well, they underperformed or, or they didn't give their best effort. All right, let me run you through a practice, big dog. Let's see how you respond. You know what I mean? Because I, I guarantee you, I, I I get I'll get some of that soft out of you real quick. You know, and it's like they want to they want to point point the finger, but it's like, are you setting the example yourself also? Because <clears throat> if you do have a growth mindset. I feel like you understand failure is an inevitable part of the process and it's something you have to be welcoming with open arms in order to improve, right? Like every single great champion in our sport has lost at least once. Every single one. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> part of what helps them become great champions is the fact that they've figured out how to improve despite not reaching a certain outcome and how to continue to march forward despite, despite not getting the result that they wanted. Mm -hmm. And that's part, how do you learn to do that without losing, without failure? You can't cultivate that. You can't develop that specific part of someone's character without putting them through something that is hard for them like for me it's like you want to put kids in a position where it's they're designed to fail just to see how they respond and then you can coach them on how to respond appropriately if they're not responding the right way 
you know? But I think when you have, when you're able as a kid to understand like, oh, well, you know, my parents don't, they don't necessarily care if I lose. They care about my effort. They care about me competing with, with heart and, and passion and being committed to something, like not quitting when things get hard. You know, it's like if I'm doing those, it doesn't matter what the result is. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm doing the, the right things, and then I have the freedom to fail. And I feel like when you have the freedom to fail, it sets you up for success, not just in wrestling, but also in life in general, right? Think about how many people don't have the courage to pursue a goal, a dream, or a passion because the odds are so against them and the reality of failure is so high, it may not even be worth it because like, I could work super, super hard and I'm most likely not going to get this, so I'm not even going to pursue this. But really, that may be what truly is on their heart to pursue, but they never pursue it because they don't have the courage to take the risk and embrace the fact like, yeah, I am going to fail. But failure is okay as long as I keep getting up, figuring it out, failure after failure after failure after failure until eventually, oh, lo and behold, guess what? I did it. I was able to figure it out. But you're never going to get there unless you can figure out how to embrace failure and have like a growth mindset. And I think that parent thing that you're talking about where kids are – and even the example I gave – where the kid's so worried about what his dad's response is going to be. I had to literally, I was in the corner coaching this kid, and the daddy's yelling from the sideline. I said, hey, dad, we got it. Let us do our job. And I'm like, when you have to do that, that's ridiculous. The kid doesn't know who to listen to. And it's like the kid's trying to listen and do what his dad's telling him to do because he doesn't want his dad to be upset with him. Hey, why didn't you do this? I was yelling you to yelling at you to do this from the side of the mat, and you didn't do it. When his coaches are giving him instruction, I know I'm more qualified. So it's like, bro, I don't, I love, I get that that's your dad, but trust me when I say I know what I'm talking about more than he does. Listen mm-hmm. to what I'm telling you, not to what he's telling you. But you, how do you, you, you can't tell a kid to disobey his father, and that's where it's like, parents have to understand there's a line. You know what I mean? It's crazy. You touched on a on a topic there, and you said, you know, like sometimes you want to be ambitious enough to where you're setting out to accomplish a goal that the odds are against you. How do you how do you be that ambitious and continue day in and day out to deal with the struggle um, and set goals that are realistic that you can attain? Um, but still being ambitious enough to try and set out and accomplish something that may not be, you know, you may not have the odds of, of achieving it. Uh, I think it takes courage. I think courage specifically because you can't be courageous in the absence of fear. There has to be some component of fear. There has to be some component of like being afraid or, or nervousness or some some component of just like, being scared, right, in order to be courageous. And so I think courage is is necessary because when you think about these big lofty goals, these big ambitious goals, they are scary, right? And you could think of specific circumstances for an individual. It's like, oh, maybe they don't have the support 
financially or maybe they don't have the right situation or whatever it is. And and when you look at, oh, well, man, this isn't the most ideal, you know, I don't know if this is a good idea because the odds are not in my favor. And I think when the odds are stacked against you, that's what makes things scary because you have this subconscious fear of, I could be wasting my time. I could be wasting my time. I could put in all this effort for it to be in vain, and I could spend all this time committing to this goal and to this dream for it to go absolutely nowhere. And then if it doesn't happen, what what was what was its purpose? Did I just throw away X amount of years of my life or X amount of months or X? And I think that's what scares people is that subconscious fear of wasting time. <clears throat> What's interesting to me about what you just said is I think a lot of people that view it as a potential waste of time, especially me, right? Like I'm, I'm well into my mid sixties now and I, I've just been around for a while and, and, and I, <laughs> and I, I've seen, Oh my gosh. You know, You're, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mid sixties. Good. I look good for my age, Mike Mott. I look good for my age. I, um, but, but look, truth is I've, I've been around long enough to recognize <clears throat> that when you look at it or you even consider the fact that a very challenging endeavor that's going to take a tremendous amount of work. If you look at it from the aspect of, well, there's a chance I might fail. I think that the, the perspective is wrong to begin with because what happens is while we're on this journey, while we're on this process, the work is the actual reward, right? The work is the, the effort is the reward. Um, and the things that we learn along the way truly are the 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 gold medal that we're all really chasing. Man, there's this little girl. Her name is Dakota. She's really young. She started in my group about three months ago. She gets her butt kicked a lot, like a lot, a lot. And like some of the kids... So she's the she literally the youngest, and she's a, a very frail young girl, okay, mm. who's not overly aggressive. So I think that's kind of a recipe for disaster in a good wrestling room, okay? Yeah, I mean it's just not it's not good, right? Yeah. Um, and some of the kids that she that we put her with are are also the youngest, but they were the youngest, and they got their butts kicked. So now they see fresh meat, and they're like, oh, 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 oh I'm gonna put it to her. And so like, we just have this rapport, she and I, because there was a lot of tears for a long time. There was a lot of tears. She would, <laughs> like a lot, bad. Like, dude, all right, she needs to leave, you know? Yeah. And so now we've gotten this rapport, because the first time I really saw her crying and having a really hard time, I remember walking up to her, put my arm around her shoulder as, you know, they were walking around in circles, like practice is done slow cool down i'll put my arm around her 
And I said, listen, we do this because it's hard. So all, I know it sucks, but understand something. Like that's the reason that we do it. We do it because we love the tough stuff. We love the tough stuff. And she said, okay, okay. And then I, now I just, all I have to do now is look at her. I'm like, love the tough stuff? And she's like, <laughs> you know, sometimes she does it. Sometimes she does it more than others. Yeah. But, but she's getting it and she's tougher and she's getting better. And she still shows up every doggone night and it's awesome. So, so here's my question in saying all that. If you had to build, a wrestler let's i don't um maybe it's your son or daughter maybe it's a you know a test tube baby that you just adopt okay <laughs> how when how do you get them involved in the sport how do you introduce it how do you separate dad from coach how do because you, you are overly qualified to coach your son or daughter overly qualified far more than most people how do you introduce the sport how, like if you, so i call my son the experiment yeah right like literally and he took it as his instagram handle all right i, I call him the experiment because i i did i did everything different even yeah. from when i was coaching right? i did everything different he didn't learn a penetration step first he didn't, he, he, he I, I hope he doesn't listen to this, but for like the first two years, I told him that kids under 12 were not allowed to touch the legs. So he had to wrestle Greco and everyone else was grabbing his legs. Right. Um, he'd be like, daddy, that boy's cheating. I'm like, ah, he's 12. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but how would you, how would you build a wrestle? Yeah. So. Like you said, it would be an experiment, obviously. Uh, but for me, so when I think about the introduction to the sport, <clears throat> I think uh, I would just bring them around the sport. I wouldn't even have them necessarily involved. I'd bring them to practices, events, um, to where they get to experience the joy of the event. And they get to build memories of the event, watching wrestling, getting to see the crowd react and enjoying it from a fan's perspective. And then also I would take them to the wrestling room where they're getting to practice and watch practice. And then, you know, if it was like me now, right, like then I would take them so they could watch myself practice. I, I would just have them around the sport as much as possible without them getting involved and to where they're running around on the mat just because they want to get some energy out and they don't even realize what's going on, right? They're on a wrestling mat watching other people wrestle and they just want to grab legs because they see other people doing it, you know? And so that's probably how I would introduce the sport is just by trying to surround them people with, uh, surround them with people within the community, surround them and take them to events within the community so they could experience the, the just, the uniqueness of being a part of the wrestling community in general. And then also I would try and make all the, the experiences and events that I take them to overall, like just positive. So they just have nothing but positive experiences just with wrestling in general, because it, I feel like 
when you get into it and you don't know what's going on, you're just getting your butt wet, butt whooped. It's majority overall not so positive experiences. And so I think it would just help them kind of understand like there's two sides to it. And then I'd probably introduce them to the sport a little later, maybe like 10, 10, 11, uh, maybe younger. It would just depend on what I feel like I see from them in terms of like engagement. Is this a genuine interest from them? If it is, then yeah, we'll go to practice and learn some basic stuff. If not, I wouldn't force it. Um, you know, and so that's kind of how I would introduce it. And then, um, I would just start with the mental stuff, the skill, the skill stuff. I think you can learn pretty easily. I mean, there's so many great coaches out there. There's, such a library of like wrestling nowadays that you can find. And, um, but I would try and develop this at a young age. Um, and the competition aspect is good. I would try and figure out, I would see how they respond to losing and I would encourage them in a way that I felt like would be appropriate for like having a competitive mindset. Uh, so like, I would hope that I take them to competition and they lose and that they cry. So like, and they're like, Hey buddy, it's, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. It's just wrestling. Right. Like what was your effort? Like, was it high? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good job. <clears throat> right. Like, did you go out there? Did you just give up? No. Okay. That's exactly what we're looking for. You're doing everything you need to be doing. It's like, now let's look at, and then I would try and like, Talk about the technical aspect. Like, okay, well, what do you think we could do better? I don't know. Well, then I would just try to break down. It's like, all right, well, we got to make sure we sprawl, buddy. You didn't sprawl at all, you know? And so, like, just stick with sharpening the fundamentals at a young age and not worry so much about, like, the crazy, fancy stuff. And then um, and then just cultivate this, right? Like, get them comfortable. I don't want to go for my next match. Hey, buddy. Sorry, I know you don't want to, but this is what we have to do, right? And now, and I would try and parallel it to maybe some life analogy or something that the kid understands, and then send them back out there so that they're not afraid of taking on challenges that maybe they don't feel like doing in the moment. Because I think that's a lot of wrestling, right? Like you lose in the championship rounds and you're back in the consies. No one really wants to wrestle the consies, you know what I mean? Like that's not fun. I don't want to be here, <laughs> you know. And, and, but you got to figure out how to do things that you ultimately don't want to do. You have to figure out how to do things that ultimately make you uncomfortable and that aren't the most fun. And so I would try and figure out how to cultivate that, that part of the mental game and, and then just teach them, okay, what is hard work and consistency? Hey, did you do your stance? Like, no. Hey, we got to make sure we do it. So I would probably like, if it was my kid every night, we got 10 pushups. 10 pull-ups before bed, you know? Um, and, you know, I was actually staying with JB this week at the NCAA tournament, and I think he actually does a really good job with Beacon. You know, I was <laughs> reading – we were re having, reading the kids a bedtime story, and uh, they got a pull-up bar in their door frame. And JB's like, all right, we got three sets. And, you know, Beacon was wanted to do the pull-ups wasn't really wanting to do the pull-ups and there was a couple where they were like kind of sure and jb's like hey buddy that doesn't count 
And Deacon's like, well, my arms are tired. And he's like, come on, buddy, you can do this. And he's starting to cry and blah, blah. He's like, all right, well, we're not going to bed until you get all 10. And, and they got to be 10 in a row. And he's being incredibly patient, being incredibly gracious. He's still being very loving. You don't hear a, a, a change of tone in his voice or the volume raise. And he's just like, he's just adamant. He's 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 stern and he's like just... Like, hey, buddy, this is just what we have to do. And, you know, Beacon's like, my arms are tired. <laughs> it's like, and it wasn't even, and then Orr gets on the pull-up bar and crushes him, no problem. <laughs> you know, I think it was like just, you know, just tired, long day. And I bet normally he knocks him out, no problem. And it was just kind of one of those days that he just didn't feel like doing it. And I think maybe they do it like three times a week or something like that. But I think – Something like that to where you're instilling a component of like, hey, sometimes we just, in order to stay committed to the process, there's just things that maybe we don't feel like doing, but we still got to make sure we're checking the box, you know? And so this is what I would really focus on at a young age. And um, and I think there's a loving way to do it, you know? It's tough, but then I would, obviously, as they get older, then we really focus on honing in and developing, like, the high-level skill set and building off of the fundamentals, right? Like, the, the well, foundation, you know? Right, right. But the hardest part is to get this out of your athletes, you know? Um, but, yeah, that's probably how I would start. How would you focus on kind of mindset and getting started for someone like you that maybe didn't start at the youngest age and have the most ideal scenario of getting into the sport where, Hey, like if you're starting your freshman year, like I don't have all day to, to focus on just my mindset. Um, but at the same time, like that's obviously a crucial part of, of teaching the sport. How would you think about that? Well, one, I think having a good coach, especially at the high school level, I think it's super, super important. Um, and even at the youth level, I think a good coach really can shape an athlete. I think at the senior level, right, like coaches and even at the collegiate level, coaches can affect the development of an athlete. But at some point, the athlete also has to be committed to the process and do their fair share of the work. A coach can take you all the way here, but the athlete has to be just as committed, right? And you think about the NCAA, all the coaches are committed to the development of athletes, right? Like their job depends on it. And even at the senior level, right? Like, but I think as the higher up level you go, I think your own discipline and your own decisions that you make as an athlete are going to determine a lot more of your success. I think you think about like some guys at the senior level, like you can send JB to Nebraska or Philadelphia, he's going to find success. Now, Brandon Slay obviously is a great coach as well, but. James Green, you take James Green from Nebraska to Virginia Tech, he's going to find success. You could take Yanni and send him to a different school other than Cornell, he's going to find success. But I think at the youth, the middle school, and the high school level, <clears throat> a coach is vital. A good coach makes a massive difference and plays a huge role in just developing all those aspects Um of the athlete. And then when you get to college, they continue that development. But I think a majority of that can be done at a young age. And so my suggestion would be to find a good coach. Um, but for those that, you know, like are, you know, feel like they're stuck on this process on their own. One thing that really helped me when I got to college is Obi Blanc 
told me, you know, the year he had made the world team, he had committed to doing things that like, let's say practice within. And there was a thought that crossed his mind where it was just like, Oh man. Okay. Practices ends. Like, and you just happen to look at the stair step and you're like, Oh man, I really don't want to do that. As soon as that crossed your mind, as soon as that crosses your mind, I immediately now have to commit to doing exactly what my mind doesn't want to do. And so he had said that uh, at one point, and I just remember just taking it to heart and, and started doing exactly the same thing. It's like, you know, whether it's stance in motion, like, oh, man, I don't feel like doing stance but Now I have to. Now I have to do exactly what my mind doesn't want me to do. And I think it what it does is <clears throat> it prepares you for those moments in a competitive setting as well, right? It's like, okay, I go to the NCAA tournament. I lose in the first round or second round or whatever, and I'm in the con season. Now I, I look at the bracket, and I'm like, man, I'm leaving the round. It's like, man, I really don't want to wrestle in the – now I have to do it, you know? And so you just kind of develop like this almost re reaction, right, this mental default that puts you in motion to do the things that are necessary. And uh, another thing is one thing I used to tell myself uh, was just like, if I was in the middle of practice and I felt like I was getting tired, I would just tell, tell, start telling myself good. Right. If it was something that was really, really difficult or hard, I didn't want to do it. It's like, man, I don't want to, man, my freaking shoulders bothered me. I'm good. And I felt like I just started to find like another, uh, not necessarily a gear, but like mentally a place where it was like, yo, anything negative immediately was being turned into a positive. Okay. Well, if my shoulders bothering me, good. Well, what, do you, what good? That sounds crazy. Well, why would that be good? And I had to start thinking about, well, what could be good about this? All right. Well, maybe I have to adjust the way I train today. Maybe instead of shooting to the right side of my body and getting extended here, I got to take all my attacks to the left side. And now it's going to force me to develop something else, right? To where when this is healthy, now I can attack both sides of the body. And so <clears throat> I think, um, one, just do things that make you uncomfortable, right? If you don't feel like doing something and mentally you have this like weird, anxious feeling towards it, that's the exact feeling that you're looking for. Find the things that give you this anxious discomfort and just do them. And I promise you, they're not as bad as you think you are, as you think they are. And it always ends up surprising you. And you always feel 20 times better afterwards. Like, man, I'm really glad I did that. But everybody knows what that anxious, like discomfort oh, yeah. feeling feels like, right? Like, you don't even have to think of like your body shaking, but it feels like it is like mentally in your head. You're just like, man, like this freaking suck. And you're almost like dragging your feet towards it. And it's like, if you can figure out how to consistently do things that give you that anxious feeling that, that discomfort, you'll start to callous your mind. And that's exactly what you need in order to be successful in this sport. Because this sport isn't for those with a fragile mind because yeah, it's probably in everything, right, Mark? I mean, without a doubt, in business and in school and in whatever. I'm, I mean, in, yeah, absolutely. Like in life too, right? Like I can give you an example of a buddy of mine who was going through it and and uh, 
conversation I had the other day with a friend of mine who was just like, bro, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I don't know how I'm going to get through this, blah, 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 without going into details about what's going on. And I'm like, bro, you've been in the trenches before. You've been in worse situations and come out on top. Like, don't forget, like, one, you're not in this alone, but also realize, like, bro, you're a survivor. There's nothing that life can throw at you that you can't figure out how to handle. And I think it's very much the same. Like, there's moments in life, just like, you know, my friend who I was talking to on the phone yesterday, where you're incredibly uncomfortable and you have a tremendous amount of doubt and you don't have all the answers. But you're going to have to figure it out if you're going to want to make it to the next day or to the next thing. You know what I mean? And Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head, Mike. All right, Mark, we got to bring this thing on home. Um, thank you number one for sitting down with us and uh, i i learned a bunch i have a lot of notes and i am going to get better for sure so thank you so much and uh joel anything else before we go mike how can uh how can everyone find you uh yeah so my socials are all the same it's just mike underscore mock m-i-k-e underscore m-a-c-c-h um instagram twitter Facebook, Michael Machiavello. There we go. So, but yeah, appreciate you guys. All right, brother, man. I'll talk to y'all soon. Appreciate you, Mike. Later, brother.